Diablo 4 has arrived. As the forces of hell gather, only you can stand in their way. Journey across the expansive, open world of Sanctuary. Choose from five powerful classes, then progress them to fit your playstyle. Adventure with your friends in up to four-player co-op with cross-play and cross-progression on all platforms. Welcome to hell. Diablo 4, available now. Rated M for Mature. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. When life gets busy, you grind, you push, you reach for a stick of Liquid IV powder. It hydrates you two times faster than water alone, so you can crush goals and your to-do list. Because real life is extreme enough. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Buy a stick in store or at liquidiv.com with the code podcast for 20% off your order. Hi guys, welcome back to Speaker Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and I have such an amazing guest here today. She is back for a very special episode, and I could not think of a better guest than her. She literally, I feel like, wrote the book on sunscreen. She is um, the expert in our industry when it comes to SPF, and her entire line is really just a huge testament to that. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce Dr. Loretta again to you guys. Welcome to the show, Dr. Loretta. I'm so, so honored and excited to host you. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. So happy to have you. And with National Sunscreen Day right around the corner, I wanted to really kind of, you know, um, ask you some general questions for consumers, because I know sunscreen is a big area that a lot of people don't understand, you know, and how to use it, when to use it, you know, how frequently to apply those kind of things. So um, just to get started, I just wanted to catch up with you a little bit and see, you know, um, what, what's been up? Like, you know, how have you been? And just give us a little bit of a background again about yourself, if you could, um, just for the listeners that check the first episode yes thank god all is good with me and my background (laughs) is uh, actually i have to tell you i just celebrated my 70th birthday and i'm super happy still with how my skin looks and how i feel uh relying so much on skin care okay so my background goes all the way back why i had to tell you my age which i'm proud of is that my research background goes all the way back to 1975 when i had been i was in medical school in new york city but i took a summer job in what were called the photobiology labs of the department of dermatology at harvard medical school and i got Mm. to be one of the first investigators studying the effects of UVA from the sun on human skin. We knew that if you took, and in fact, the lab that I worked in had had Westinghouse make up very concentrated UVA bulbs to treat diseases like psoriasis. But what we weren't sure of is if you didn't have intensified UVA, if we were just using the doses of UVA or exposing skin to the doses of UVA from the sun, we really were not sure if it was going to have enough of an impact. Because believe it or not, in 1975, we hadn't yet developed the concept of broad protection UVA, UVB sunscreens. So I really have a very, very long history. And, um, you know, then I went on to be so fascinated by the dermatology research that I became a dermatologist. I headed up the cosmetic dermatology at University of Miami for a number of years. And then I also uh, started to formulate skincare first for professionals only, 
30 years ago this year, this May, this month, actually. And then wow. five years ago, I broke out with my own brand called Dr. Loretta. That's amazing. And I, I know that on the first episode, you had mentioned that, that you were really kind of this, you know, just a pioneer in this understanding of UVA and its impact on our skin. And, you know, I, I find that to be so, so amazing about you is that you really, really know this stuff. And, and that's one of the biggest things that I, you know, I have a hard time telling people when they reach out to me, because I'm like, I'm not the expert here, you know? So that's really why I wanted to get you on here is to really explain to our consumers and our listeners, you know, what really does, what, what does sun protection really mean? You know what I mean? Like if you could kind of get started there. Yes. Okay. So I love the question that you just asked because you actually substituted out a word. But really, we're going to be talking a lot about sunscreen, but true sun protection, according to our American Academy of Dermatology, it's really three pronged. And I want all of the listeners to remember this. The first thing is avoiding the peak hours of UV intensity, which is typically 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Try not to be outdoors during that time. The second thing besides you know, really staying out of doors, the peak hours of intensity will be to consider photoprotective clothing. So instead of SPF, that's labeled UPF. And that I'm so wholeheartedly a fan of. So if you're going to be outdoors, if you're going to your kid's soccer game, stuff even like a hat on top of your sunscreen, uh, stuff like long sleeve UV. You, I'm sorry, yeah, UPF, that's, uh, you know, instead of SPF, it's UPF 50 clothing that's going to protect you. And then the last component of the three prongs, besides the hours you're out, the clothing that you can wear is going to be the sunscreen use. And I want to sort of focus on that very big picture. Okay. You want your sunscreen choice to go along with your activities. So, for instance, if you're going to be out watching a soccer game or you're going to be out playing tennis, you've really got to look for a sweat-proof sunscreen. These are often marketed as sports formula. But if you know you're going to be sweating, please, 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 during that time, put on sweat-proof or honestly, 20 minutes before, apply sweat-proof sunscreen. If you know that you're going to the beach, make sure that you have waterproof sunscreen. And, you know, one easy thing is that most sports formulas will be labeled both sweatproof and waterproof up to about 80 minutes in the water. So, you know, that's the first thing. Um, Mm. I'll keep on going and say, besides the selection, so, you know, that's going to be for your outdoor activities. Now, what I am a huge believer in is that so much of what we think of as chronologic, the unwanted skin changes of chronologic aging really just have to do with external aggressors that our facial skin especially comes in contact with, like the sun and even pollutants and other things. But when we talk about the sun, you know, there's what we dermatologists call inadvertent sun exposure. That means you've got to realize when you're driving in your car, let's say you have a 20 minute commute to work each way during daylight hours. 
Well, guess what? The UV is coming through the window glass, especially the aging rays, the UVA. You've got to be putting on a daily sunscreen, but that shouldn't be waterproof or sweatproof. That should be something that you really love to have on your skin that almost makes your skin look better. Right, right. You know, wasn't there a study, Dr. Loretta? I I think I, like, it was everywhere on social media where there was a truck driver and they showed his, like, right, like, his left side or something like that compared to his right. Because he was always in the sun driving. Like, I mean, I I saw that and I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is huge. Yeah. Yeah. The visual was that his left side looked maybe 25 or 30 years older than his right side. And, you know, that sort of really... uh. I've got to tell you, for even like, let's say skin cancers, I treat so many more on the left ear than the right ear. And there's a reason why. And it's from that car driving. Wow. Wow. So they see that really leads me to asking you now about the SPF component here, because now, you know, a lot of people and, and since, you know, the last time we had you on, like, you know, I've had people come on and tell me about what SPF levels we should be using. But I want to ask you that question because really I'm still confused, you know, because I, I hear the buzzword a lot lately where SPF 30 is all you need. You know, is that true or is that just hype? I mean, what is, what is that whole you know, number about. Okay. So the first thing is, I just want to sort of define what, how the SPF gets evaluated, right? So the term SPF is sun protection factor. And basically every time that a sunscreen gets created, it has to go through pretty rigorous SPF testing and, you know, then register it with the FDA, our FDA. And what an SPF of 30 means is that you can be out in the sun 30 times longer with that product on than if you didn't have that product on. So let's say that typically, if you go to the beach in the summertime, within 10 minutes, you're going to turn red, which is the effect we see from UVB, right? Well, Mm -hmm. if you have an SPF 30, then you have 300 minutes of protection. Practically speaking, most of us dermatologists really believe that for normal exposures, somewhere between a 30 and a 50 is really very adequate. Certainly for like what we talked about when we're talking about, you know, putting on sunscreen on our face, which I've got to appeal to all of your listeners that this is a great beauty secret, right? For your face not to age, put on a sunscreen every day. And yes, I believe, and most of us dermatologists believe, the healthy range is from 30 to 50. It's very unlikely in your everyday lifestyle that you would have more than 300 or 500 minutes of sun, ex- you know, continuous sun exposure. Now, the other part of this, and um, there are honestly people who are even more expert dermatologists because they follow this very, very closely. Uh, the other sort of caveat is that when you get over 50, you do lose Typically, you're going to lose, believe it or not, a little bit of UVA protection because, Mm -hmm. like I said, the SPF really is just 
giving you a reflection of your increased amount of UVB protection. And uh, especially some of the dermatologists out of Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, that dermatology department, which is part of Cornell Medical School, they really looked at this because in the EU, there's very specific testing that is done that we don't have yet here that looks at the proportionate UVB versus UVA exposure. And as a rule, over 50, you don't have quite as good UVA exposure. So a rule of thumb is get a product that you like having on your skin that agrees with your skin in the range of 30 to 50. That makes sense. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the um, over, like the you know the over the fifth over fifty. Like you know, you have that decreased level of UVA protection. That's really right. interesting. Um, yes, now that's know, a general rule. I'm not going to say that every single uh, sunscreen in the United States that's over fifty is giving you less UVA protection. But please remember this: at the present time, our FDA does. A ver they only require sort of what I'd call a very basic UVA protection test. It, it's just showing that that uh, the sunscreen will absorb a certain uh, wavelength of UVA, and then we can write on it UVA UVB protection. The uh, EU requires much more stringent UVA protection testing. So that's why I have so many skin cancer patients in my dermatology practice. And mm -hmm. I always tell them go between a 30 and a 50. That's interesting. And now what about body sunscreen, Dr. Loretta? I, like, you know, yeah, because obviously, right. like you mentioned, we're driving a lot. Mm -hmm. We're, you know what I mean? We're out in the sun, yeah. especially with the summertime. What about body protection SPF? Yes. So the first thing is that I love what are called the let's let's talk about our backs. OK, because so much of the time we neglect, you know, we might be at the beach uh, at a picnic and we've got like a little bit of a lower cut cut out on our back, on our bathing suit our, our clothing, whatever. So for this. I love you to consider what's called the continuous spray sunscreens, right? And what that means, and, and there almost every uh, sports formula has this, it's gonna be a spray can of sunscreen. And what it's meant by continuous spray is you can literally turn it upside down and it's still gonna spray out. So that's sort mm. of the foolproof way if you're living alone or you don't have somebody who can help you apply the sunscreen on your back that's gonna be a great way to protect your back. And I've got to tell you that as a dermatologist, some of the most aggressive skin cancers I've seen that get diagnosed in the latest stages are on people's backs because we just don't really always see our back. So something could be, you know, festering there. And by the time you come in, it, it may have already gone to too late of a stage, right? So please protect your back. And of course, you know, if you don't like the idea of the spray, then get the UPF, the sun protective clothing. So, you know, that's sort of one thing for the body. The other thing is our hands, right? That right, we've got right. to remember that we get so much exposure on our hands and to keep your hands young looking, be applying and reapplying sunscreen on your hands. That's interesting. And, you know, and I agree with you. I think hands, like, I think a long time ago, someone told me, like, whatever skincare you have left, just put it on your hands. Like, if it's too much, like, you know, just, 
you know, just put it in your hands will stay youthful as well, along with your face, you know, so um, that makes sense. But, you know, again, coming back to the, you know, sun protection factor, the SPF portion, I mean, I've seen a lot of body care sunscreen that is like SPF 15. So it makes me wonder, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, is that really the adequate amount, you know? No, I don't think that you should use a 15. And I'm sort of glad you even, I don't think a 15, it's just not enough, right? And I'm really glad you're mentioning 15 because yes, body care can be 15. And actually a lot of makeups have SPF 15 or SPF 20 in them. And that's Mm. not enough. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because for body sunscreen, I've seen that. I didn't know that about makeup though. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's a huge, uh, you know, kind of red flag for anyone who's buying makeup or foundation with SPF. Make sure you're checking the amount, you know, and make sure it's yeah. between the 30 to 45 range, like Dr. Loretta told us here. So that's interesting. Right. Um, Now, when it comes to the actual protection itself, like, do you prefer mineral or chemical? I mean, what is the, can you kind of debunk that for us a little bit and tell us about, you know, what are, what is the difference? Is there a difference? You know, should we as consumers be gravitating towards one or the other? I mean, what, what do you think about that? Okay. The first general rule I'm going to say to you is, and this is coming from myself. I've been a board certified dermatologist for 41 years. So I have had thousands of skincare patients over the years. We want to remember that the number one benefit from using SPF is to prevent skin cancer. So what I tell every patient of my own is what I want you to do is find a sunscreen that you actually like to use, whether it is mineral or quote unquote chemical based. Now, Uh, Some people who have more sensitive skin or people who are a little more prone to redness, maybe rosacea patients, or just if you tend to have sensitive red skin, then probably you are going to prefer using the mineral sunscreen. And mineral sunscreens are really zinc-based. Zinc happens to be very good at lessening skin redness, but it also just really is working mostly by reflecting off the sun rays. Whereas all of the so-called chemical sunscreens actually absorb in some of the sun's rays, but in absorbing them in, they alter them so that they don't hurt our skin. Now, what's really sort of become the favorite on social media is the the, uh, advice that everyone should use a mineral-only sunscreen. The problem can be that most mineral-only sunscreens really are a little bit on the chalky side. So if you have a skin tone that's got a a nice, deeper, olivey complexion or even a cocoa complexion, you might be very unhappy with using a mineral-only sunscreen. So this is a very individual choice. That makes sense. Now, see, I, I personally, like, I love the mineral, but that, that white cast is so, so, you know what I mean? It's, it's just so annoying for me, you know, when I'm not doing my makeup or something like that. So that makes sense where it's like the personal. But, you know, I do have to tell you, I'm very proud. We just launched two months ago, our universal glow with mineral only sunscreen from Dr. Loretta. 
it already has won the Harper's Bazaar Best Sunscreen for Sensitive Skin Award. We wow. went on Violet Gray. We started with an exclusive on Violet Gray. It sold out in less than 48 hours. And because I worked really hard for about three years to make a mineral only that's going to blend in even with cocoa colored skin. And I think we I think we've hit on it. So if you really want to wow. think about only uh and but definitely we got to see if we can get you some might now i'm ashamed to tell you it might even be on back order because we really can't make it fast enough but we're going to have it in real soon so it's that well, universal we still have it on our site that is amazing oh my gosh congratulations that Thank is so you, amazing yeah. it, it's uh it's like giving birth to my dream dream formula really i bet no that's wonderful we need that oh my gosh thank you for creating that we really really need that as a felt you know as a woman of color like i just mm -hmm. you know i can't tell you how important that is and you know especially how many times i hear women of color or men of color say no i'm not using a sunscreen it makes me look pasty white or you know it leaves that grayish color on my skin mm -hmm. so yeah that is so needed and and for everyone listening please you know keep your eyes on that one yeah uh, if it's on back order just put an alert on you know i'm sure you right. know on the website there's I an think alert we might have a few left on our site and actually maybe violet still got it too but i know that a lot of sites have ordered it a durham store and all and and we're just waiting for us to finish i think actually maybe end of may the batch is supposed to be ready so uh i'm gonna yeah. go ask cassandra i'm gonna ask cassandra if they still have it in yeah that's amazing that's so cool and i and i love that you made that because that was really my question was next question was about you know melanin rich skin versus non and um really kind of the differences we see here you know in terms of whether that's you know um compliance from patients when it comes to really being you know consistent with your sunscreen application or just kind of the differences you've noticed, you know, from your dermatology uh, practice side of things when it comes to the protection um, aspect, you know, what are some of the, the, cha the changes or differences between groups of patients that you notice when it comes to sun protection or any advice that you have for different groups of patients? Right. I think I would say that there, for sure, when you have a deeper skin tone, women and men of color, you know, you've got to be really careful that you don't look like you've got some white cast on your skin. In fact, you don't let a doctor talk you into using a product where you feel uncomfortable in, in the appearance of having it on. Okay. So that's sort of the first thing. Uh, yeah. You know, the next thing is, that we do know that having a tint in sunscreen, which means that that's provided by uh, iron oxide, which is what gives it a tint, right? And having a tint in sunscreen will actually end up giving you more protection from the sun. So like, for instance, if you've got hyperpigmentation from old acne marks, or you've got melasma from the birth control pill or a pregnancy, there have been studies done that have shown that the same exact sunscreen formula with or without tint, once the tint is in it, meaning that in other words, it's gonna look like a tinted moisturizer, you're gonna get a better, faster resolution of hyperpigmentation. So, you know, I think that that's important. You know, the other thing is you have to really like the way that it feels and smells and all of this. If you put on a sunscreen and you really do not like it, like it makes you feel tingly or whatever, you know, switch to another one. I think that, 
every one of us has got to, I think, you know, right now with National Sunscreen Day, this is the day for you to make the decision that you're going to find a sunscreen that's going to be a lifer for you. That's really important. It's of all of the products that you can possibly be using on your skin, sunscreen saves lives. Not only does it prevent wrinkles and age spots, it may be the one thing that's going to save your life by preventing skin cancer. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I really think that, you know, with the cancer uh, aspect, you know, really coming into play here, that's really where I want to direct the conversation now is, is into this skin cancer, um, you know, side of things, because I know a lot of people are, we are aware of melanoma. You know, I think there's a lot of information about melanoma out there just because, you know, consumers have been more curious over the years, but, you know, we don't really talk about all of the other types of skin cancers, right? So I would love for you to kind of give us a little uh, rundown, if you could, of, you know, what are the different types of cancers? What should we be doing, you know, in terms of preventative measures other than obviously, you know, what we've discussed with the sunscreen and stuff in terms of self checking and you know whatnot so if you could kind of give us a little rundown of that that would be so great yeah beautiful thank you for mentioning this because you know very importantly i absolutely recommend that we all do a once a month skin self-exam so the first day of the month is sort of a good day to remember to do it right that involves looking under our arms looking at the palms of our hands looking at the soles of our feet you know looking at everything that you have easy access to which is pretty much the front of your body pull back your hair if your if your ears are um you know being covered by your hair make sure that you put your hair up in a ponytail or something When it comes to your back, you can try to use a double mirror, you know, so buy yourself like a big handheld mirror and put it, you know, uh, visualize your back by uh, putting that, putting yourself in front of like a wall mirror so that you can see your back. Or you can buddy up with somebody. And what you can do too is you can have them take a picture on your phone of your back. You take a picture on their phone and then you have your baseline and you can keep on looking at that. Backs are a little bit trickier since we don't see them every day. And they're not as common a place for the skin cancer to occur. Really, very commonly, we see skin cancers on the face, the chest, especially like the V-neck of the chest, and then the upper extremities, meaning your hands and your forearms. And really, the things you should be on the lookout for is anything that changes or bleeds, right? So you've got a spot forever, but all of a sudden you see there's a scab on it. Well, scab is dried out blood. Why did that thing bleed? You've got to bring that to the attention of a dermatologist, or you may have a primary doctor who even takes skin biopsies. So you're looking for something that's changed. You're also looking for something that's new and unique. By even our 40s, we can start to get some little age spots, whether they're little red dots that we call cherry angiomas or little brown rough patches. And if you've already started to develop these and now you develop another one and it looks exactly like the ones you've already got, that's fine. But when you get something that's a new and unique appearing growth for you, something that doesn't match anything else that you've got, that needs to be brought to the dermatologist's attention. So the, and then uh, sort of, I'm going to go through the kinds of precancers and cancers that we see. 
Yeah. Uh, the most common kind of a skin cancer is called a basal cell carcinoma. These are extremely treatable in the early stages. And uh, they look a little bit like a pimple that does not go away. So if you get a little red, sort of like a little dome-shaped spot on you, uh, or anything where all of a sudden, hey, I've got something new, it looks a little reddish, maybe it's just a pimple, fine. But if that quote-unquote pimple doesn't go away after six weeks, you've got to go to the doctor. If that pimple starts to bleed on you without you picking at it, you've got to go to the doctor. And these are easy to remove when they're small, okay? The next thing is, that the second most common kind of skin cancer is called the squamous cell carcinoma. These almost look a little bit like a wart. They are much more rough textured. And the good news about them is that typically, before you have a full-blown squamous cell carcinoma, you're going to have just a rough patch that uh, doesn't have color to it typically. And we call that the actinic keratosis. These are super easily treated. We can even just spray them with a little liquid nitrogen spray. Uh, sometimes we use a chemotherapy cream to get rid of them. So if all of a sudden you're getting even like sometimes you don't even see the actinic keratosis, the precancer. It's just a rough spot that you can feel. And these are common on people's faces, on their ears. In men who've lost their hair, they're very common on their scalps. Uh, women on their chests, our hands. So if you're starting to get some rough patches that are, you know, not necessarily looking like your mom's age spots, right? It's really a good idea to go to the dermatologist. In fact, getting a baseline checkup, even if you don't see that you have anything, if you live in a geographic area where you can get a dermatology appointment, because that does not always happen, especially in rural areas, it can be hard to get a dermatology appointment. But if you live in an area where you can get to a dermatologist, I recommend you go once to get a baseline. Now, of course, then we're going to come to, we've talked about the basal cell, common but not aggressive. Actinic keratosis, the, the precancer to the squamous cell, much less common sometimes a little more aggressive, the squamous cell. And then we have the melanoma, which is a very, can be a very life-threatening form of skin cancer. Of course, if these are found early, they are very treatable with a more than 95% five-year survival rate. So again, this is why it's so important that, that you do this once a month, that each of us does the once a month skin self exam. Because trust me, it's not good enough to just go to the dermatologist every year, right? You can go to the dermatologist, everything can be fine. And then, you know, two months later, you can develop an early melanoma on your back. You're the one who's got to really be doing that surveillance. You know, many times a patient comes in and they see I'm looking between their toes and the soles of their feet. They're shocked that I'm looking there. But yeah, you've got to look at your whole body. Now, the melanoma is actually, they've increased a little bit in frequency in the United States and the incidence of melanoma. But the good thing is that we have multiple forms of what's called immunotherapy now to treat melanomas uh, because melanomas aren't very responsive to chemotherapy. So we excise them. And then, you know, we really, after excising them and maybe taking out lymph nodes and stuff, it used to be that melanomas 
didn't really typically have a super long survival rate. Now with new immunotherapy, the survival rate has increased and we're very, very hopeful. But again, the early detection is the most important approach to, to treatment of any skin cancer. That makes sense. Now, that's really interesting. I'm so glad you went through all of them because honestly, I think that a lot of times people assume, like, especially when you had mentioned like the war, like consistency or the rough consistency, people just assume like, oh, this is just normal. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just something that I just have, you know, and that's, I've seen actually my own friends do that. Like, you know, they're just like, oh, it's okay. It's just a little, and I'm like, no, you need to go to a dermatologist. You don't know what that is. You know what I mean? So I think that- Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so important. So, wow. I, I did not know that. And I, I'm definitely glad that you mentioned all of that because for everyone listening out there, um, I think that self-exam part is just so crucial, especially nowadays when we don't know how much, I mean, people go out in the sun every day now, right? With COVID being mm-hmm. over, we're always outside now, you know, whether it's traveling to work, whether it's going outside with your kids, whatever that may be for you, you're being exposed. And so you have to be more mindful of what's on your body, you know, any new spots that come up and also every isn't a birthmark like if it wasn't there it's not a birthmark right so um thank you yes yeah no i i I love that now i want to ask you um dr loretta i want to ask you uh one last question that's really um just advice really for everybody that's you know really into exfoliation right because i feel like in the last year or two the whole skincare industry has gone wild with exfoliation like we've gotten all these products come out that are just based on you know a lot of ahas bhas you know you name it and it's Mm -hmm. there and so my question really is when you are using such products i mean should we be limiting them to strictly night use and then you know using a specific type of sun protection the next morning or how does that work you know I mean is there too much exfoliation all of that kind of stuff if you could kind of walk us through that good so you know I think exfoliation is an important part of every skincare routine but you've got to do it to your own skin's tolerance and I do see just like what you're saying you know some people are just using a little too much of these acids, the AHAs, the glycolics, and they're turning red and all this, and that's not good. You know, I think you only want to exfoliate on skin that's not already red or peeling or irritated. Now, the next thing is all exfoliants have some degree of making us more sensitive to the sun. And I think a mistake that's made is A lot of times people will say, oh, I'm using my AHA or uh, my retinol because retinol also gives us some exfoliation, right? I'm using it at night so I don't have to use sunscreen in the morning, okay? This is not true. When you're using an exfoliant, you always need sunscreen the following morning, even if you only exfoliate it at night. The reason for this is that the process of exfoliation is getting rid of the dead cell layer or some of that dead cell layer at the surface of our skin. And that dead cell layer is our skin's own, one of our skin's natural protections from the sun. It actually inhibits some penetration of UV rays. So all exfoliating products, and like I say, remember, it's not just products that are labeled as exfoliants, right, like AHAs and BHAs, but also all retinoid products are uh, are a form of exfoliation. They do even more than that, but they're sun sensitizers. 
So uh, please be sure to use sunscreen in the morning. Uh, I say use it whether you exfoliated the night before or not, but especially you've got to use it if you've exfoliated. And when it comes to exfoliation, I'm very much a fan of exfoliation, but only to the degree that your skin can tolerate it and never put it on areas that are red, peeling, or irritated. Okay. Okay. So like in terms of like actual exfoliation though, like if we're using, for example, 30% peel, right? Like we go and mm -hmm. get a peel done. Should we be just like avoiding the sun for like two days? Like, is that something that we should just do? Or like, what do yes. you, what do you think? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're kind of coming full circle, right? Because yeah. started by saying, think of sunscreen as part of your three pronged sun protection uh, method, right? And yeah. one of them is, uh, what I said to begin with is avoid the peak hours from 10 to 2. But if you have done some kind of in-office exfoliation, in-spa exfoliation, that's going to be even much more profound in terms of making you sensitive to the sun. So, yeah, you're much better off if you can stay indoors for the next few days. And, of course, yeah, if no, you've got to be I outside, just think that, just uh, I'm very part, glad that you mentioned that exfoliation. And certain kinds of products, for instance, AHAs, the FDA requires us to put on the label what's called the sunscreen alert. And you may want to even look for that on your, uh, or sunburn alert, I'm sorry. You may want to look for that on your products to see. Interesting. I didn't know that. That Yeah, mm -hmm. that's something that we should see. I've been looking recently more so at those little tiny seals on packages because I've noticed that there's a lot of stuff going on there. So I need to I need to be more mindful as well because I don't really check those the labels as much. But that's really I'm so glad you pointed that out. And I think that um, that's definitely something all of us can do um, just to you know, double check and make sure that we're buying the right products and all of that. So, but Dr. Loretta, this has been so wonderful and you're just so amazing. Thank you so much for Thank coming on. So I mean, this is, this has really been great. And I hope that everyone listening, you guys have learned a lot. I have for sure. And I think that this year, you know, for sunscreen um, day, I think that we have to really be just more mindful, right? I mean, summer is Absolutely. right around the corner. You know, we're approaching the hottest months of the year and the brightest months of the year. So definitely take everything Dr. Loretta said, you know, take that advice, apply it to your daily life. And and also, you know, just to follow up with what she was saying, you know, go to your dermatologist, go see a dermatologist. If you see any abnormalities and you're doing your self checks, whatever, don't skip that step. That's the best step you could do for your skincare overall is to go see a derm. So um, definitely do that. But thank you so much, Dr. Loretta. You're, you're so wonderful. Thank you so much, really. And remember, it's not just the sunscreen is not just to prevent skin cancer. It's to keep you look young looking. Look on my <laughs> at Dr. Loretta on social and you'll see I've just replied on that and skincare, not procedures. And at 70, my skin still looks young. So let's even think about the vanity motive and let's all get on that sunscreen bandwagon. Absolutely. And you look amazing, by the way. I did check out your Instagram <laughs> and you look phenomenal. So I hope I am, I am as lucky uh, to look so wonderful at your age because you you really look great. And I, and I love how much knowledge is just jam packed in your brain. And I love that. You know, it's like, thank you. Thank you. And encyclopedia. Really, thank you so much. Have a thank wonderful so much. day. Okay, you too, Dr. Thank you so bye -bye. much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.